1: How did the Cowboys look on their 53 man roster? Well, we have got the answers for you. A very special edition of Riled Up on the Cowboys as we bring it to you every Thursday, powered by our friends at SB Nation and bloggingtheboys.com. My man, of course, Tom Ryle. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB. You can find me at RW3 on the Twitter sphere. And you can also, of course, follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com. We are very excited, though, Tom, to be joined on this podcast by a dear, dear friend of ours, an alumni of the Blogging the Boys group, and now uh, one of the stars of the radio home of the Dallas Cowboys here in the Metroplex. It is our dear friend Bobby Belt, uh, famous of the Love of the Star podcast alongside NFL scout or former NFL scout, Brian Broadus. You can hear Bobby as well as hearing him on every one of the shows there on one Oh five, three, the fan here in Dallas. So uh, Bobby, thanks for joining us, man. Let's get right to it. The name on everybody's mind is obviously Jason Peters. What do the Cowboys think of him as a player? And what are the options there with the Cowboys potentially pursuing him as a player that could come in and help this thing. Well, howdy,
2: fellas. I'm uh, I'm happy to be jumping on with you guys tonight. And uh, We love you, dude. Yeah, I, I think that uh, – oh, I love you, too. folks so much. Uh, I think that – I think Jason Peters could have been in play for them even before Tyron got hurt, to be honest. Um, because I think that they view Jason Peters as, as – as I've said a little bit today – I think they view him as, you know, in case of emergency break glass and that he was somebody that they would have been interested in having around just as a fail safe in case Tyron got hurt, uh, you know, once the season started. Now that they've got Tyler Smith there, I think they are going to give him a shot to take that left tackle job, see how he responds to it. But if things go sideways, if things aren't what they hope they are, then they can go to Jason Peters if need be. Um, or, or even if, if Tyler Smith is playing fine and maybe Connor McGovern's struggling. Um, maybe you decide then to just, hey, Tyler, we need you to kick inside the left guard for the strength of the offensive line, and then we'll put Jason Peters up there at left tackle. And so, obviously, the deal needs to be done first. Um, they're going to take a look at him on Thursday, and uh, I think that they'll uh, – my expectation is he ends up here, um, but I don't think that anything's finalized yet.
3: Do you, do you think that he would come to Dallas with the expectation of being a backup? Or is he gonna, still wanting to come in and be the starter? And in any case, doesn't he provide a better option than either Tyler Smith or possibly even Terrence Steele at right tackle, allowing the Cowboys to shuffle around how their depth is and get in a better position?
2: I think uh, a few different things there. I think that Tyler – I think at this point Jason Peters is going to be on the left side only. Um, so I, I don't think that he's an option for them at right tackle with Terrence Steele. Um, in theory, I guess they could say, okay, well, if Tyler's better, though, than Terrence Steele, they could jump him over there. They've been trying to just work on Tyler Smith between tackle and guard without throwing into the, the monkey wrench of switching sides. I mean, a lot of times when they want guys to switch sides – on the offensive line. They want them to spend an entire offseason doing that. Cause it's like trying to learn with your other or, or trying to learn to write with your other hand. Um, so I, I don't think that that would be, I think it's, it's kind of out of the equation completely. I think Jason Peters would be okay coming in here. As somebody just, you know, sitting there as, as the, the fail safe for them and and would be okay with being here and imparting knowledge and, and being the, the veteran who's ready to step in and contribute um, it's probably not his, his first choice, um, but I think he, he's happy to play with a team that he thinks could contend and be there to, to be big brother of sorts to younger offensive linemen. And as to whether or not he's the, the best option that they have at, at tackle, we already talked about right, but left side, uh, it, it depends on how steep of a learning curve uh, Tyler Smith has at left tackle. If things click for him pretty quickly, I think that they believe Tyler Smith is a cornerstone type of left tackle and that they think he will make multiple Pro Bowls in the future. So if if things click for him really quickly and he shows that he's a, a a fast study and a good student over there at left tackle, then I think that, you know, there's a a decent chance that two to three weeks into this, the Cowboys can look at it and go, okay, we feel comfortable that by season's end, he's going to be the best left tackle option we have even over Jason Peters. And so let's move ahead with this. Um, so I think that he's here as a, if they bring him on here, it's it's here as a contingency to the learning curve that Tyler Smith is going to have.
1: This is our dear friend, Bobby belt. You can find him at Bobby belt TX on Twitter. He's a great Cowboys follow. <laughs> for those of you listening to the podcast who have not heard of him before, although uh, great alumni of us here at blogging the boys, but Bobby, you know, Cowboys fans quite honestly even if Jason Peters does get signed it's probably not going to be enough in most Cowboys fans minds uh are the Cowboys thinking the same thing from what you've heard are there other moves potentially out there to be made have we circled back on the Andrew Whitworth conversation and uh uh, you know quote-unquote tampering although obviously that never actually took place the tampering that is maybe the contact might have um inadvertently but either way are there still moves to be made that the cowboys might be looking at along that offensive line uh
2: if they brought peters in that might be it for the time being um just because they they're still an optimistic a, a hopeful position that tyron smith is going to be back later in the year anyway um so i think the idea of tyron getting healthy by december's if you all december if you also have jason peters go has been brought along, Josh Ball, some of these other guys, um, then I think they, they'd they be content with that. Now, the fact that there also is, does go end up needing surgery for that shoulder subluxation? If he does, then, yeah, you're having to look at bringing somebody else in. Um, or if you don't feel comfortable with Josh Ball's progress, you may go, hey, we got to reevaluate this. But I think if they sign Peters, that'll probably be it just for now. Um, and Then they'll continue to evaluate as the year goes on. Another position. Do you feel comfortable of with Josh line.
1: Ball's progress?
2: Do you feel comfortable no. with
1: Josh Ball's progress? Because no. I don't.
2: No, not not at all. Um, okay. I mean, I honestly, I, I think if if I, I think if you felt really good about Matt LaFazio's health, and if Tyron Smith hadn't gotten hurt, um, I, I think you you could have moved on from Josh Ball. So uh, no, I don't feel great about him. I do think he's better on the right side than the left side. So that's been. That's less of a concern for me. Um, But no, I I don't feel great about where Josh Ball's at at this point. I think receiver is an area they might still look to add on to, but I think it's got to be the right deal for them. I don't think they're out there just actively going, we got to find somebody. Uh, I think it just has to be on their terms.
3: Well, let me bring up something else I think they absolutely have to do. They've only got one backup for all three of the interior offensive line positions right now and Matt Farniak. Uh, don't they have to add somebody somewhere from some somehow to shore that up? So they've got more depth there. I can't see them rolling into the season with just one
2: backup in the interior of the O-line. Right. They, they do have some guys on the practice squad that they could work with. Um, and in addition to just Farniak, I think they they view it as everybody can kind of do everything. So if Jason Peters is here, then Tyler can be one of the guards, or even maybe they'd say, Jason Peters, look, let's play at left guard um, if we need to do that. So the flexibility they'd get from Peters or Smith potentially, they've given Walesko some snaps at guard during uh, minicamp and, and OTAs and things like that. And so Walesko could be a guy who could function like that. Um, and then, I mean, you've got, you know, Farniak can play either side and can also play center. McGovern can play center. They can shuffle things around if they need to. They've got Alarcone on the uh, practice squad. He's a guard tackle, both kind of guy. So, yeah, I mean, they they definitely need to examine what they want to do on the interior of that offensive line if somebody does happen to get hurt. Um, But I think they feel like they've got enough guys who kind of can split between tackle and guard or guard and center and do a bunch of different things that they would just shuffle the pieces and then add from there if they needed to. But – I think they feel like they're set to respond to an injury that could occur on the fly. I, just, I, I don't
3: like the idea of constantly having to rely on moving pieces back and forth on the line. I, I'd rather see them come in, have their tackles identified, have the swing tackle or, a, or two tackle backups identified. And then have your two interior O line backups, which was why I was a little surprised to see that Alec Lindstrom was uh, sent to the practice squad rather than make it because I thought he was their best option to shore up the interior of
2: the line. Yeah, uh, I mean they can they can always but being on the practice squad is is a little bit different than it once was because I mean you can do the quick elevation if you need to, um, and and he's out there he's practicing he's he's on the field on the practice field just like everybody else consistently so there is that. Um, as far as showing up things on the offensive line, I mean look that's fantasy football nonsense, Tom. Uh, you know, and, and we know that that Mike McCarthy is is not a fan of of screwing around with the offensive line. Uh, and and my fantasy football nonsense, of course, an old reference to the way they had to respond to Zach Martin playing tackle uh, against Seattle in that game, and, and things like that. And so they've they've not learned yet, or, or I shouldn't say they haven't learned. They apparently haven't thought they that it was enough of an issue when they had to jumble things around and react to all right, Zach, go out to right tackle for a period. Okay, kick inside, do this, do that, and all that jumping around. Um, I, I think they think that. That's a decent enough plan, that we have these emergency situations we can fall back on uh, in games, and then if we have to react to it during the following week, we will. We'll elevate somebody from the practice squad or we'll go sign somebody. Um, But overall, I I think that whether it's foolish or not, I think they believe that they're largely set, especially if they get Jason Peters. I think that their bigger concern would be tackle than on the interior right now.
3: Well, let me throw another counter to you. They've mm-hmm. already tied up what they're going to do about elevating people from the practice squad with Cooper Rush and uh, uh, Maher. Maher, Brett Maher. Mm-hmm. I went blank there for a second. You know, they have to elevate the two of them unless they sign one of them back to the 53 before the first game. So
2: I, now th- I, they're- think, I think Rush is going to get signed back before week one. And so that'll, that's where it frees up.
3: All right. Well, I can, I can see that because it was interesting that they've chosen to take that approach to this point. And uh, one of the things they're going to have to figure out as they go through all this is if they, you know, bring them in, then who is the next guy they're going to have to take off the roster? And right now they have a very unbalanced roster in the fact that they've got like, 22 offensive players and 28 on defense. And I'm, I'm curious how sustainable that is.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, they'll definitely have to adjust. I think that I think the 53rd guy on the roster right now, if they had to go make a cut um, I mean, obviously you look at how heavy they are on the defensive line, uh, assuming Somebody there probably has some sort of an injury that they could stash away for a little bit of John Ridgway, somebody like that. If they needed to, they could probably do that. Ridgway's not going to be active very much. I don't think early this year, if at all during the season. So Ridgway has been banged up a lot this year. You could probably say, oh, he needs this knee thing cleaned up. Let's move him off. Oh, then he then just that, got a
1: concussion. Cool. Now slammed against yeah. the, the wall. I can't believe I have it happened. It's unbelievable. It,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you can get those sorts of things out there. But I think just looking at the the group of guys that they have, if you were to say who's the 53rd guy on the roster, I think it's pretty clearly either Luke Gifford or Devin Harper. I don't know which one they consider it to be, but I think it was surprising to a lot of people that they carried six linebackers. I think everybody assumed they'd go narrow at five. Uh, So the fact that Gifford and Harper both made it, um, I think there must be fans in the building, but it's it's pretty clear to me that I think those are the guys that it's like, hey, if we've got to subtract somebody – it's probably going to have to come here from the back end of the linebacker rotation. Yeah, I,
3: I don't want to try to jinx things, but I almost wish that Josh Wall was the 53rd guy. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't have a lot of faith in him. I am curious if, well, let's go has any capability out on the right side. I don't know how much he worked there. I thought he was pretty much working on the left uh, on the left tackle, and they kick ball over to the right when Let's Go was on the field.
2: Yeah, well, Let's Go has has worked the right a little bit. It's not been as frequent as the left, um, and and he worked the right more so in in OTAs and things like that. Um, but yeah, those bigger guys, a lot of times, a lot of times teams view the you know giants out there at tackle as better fits at right than left, and so uh, I'm sure a lot of people viewed will let's go as a right tackle coming out in the nfl and like I said, dallas gave him some reps there during otas um I, i don't disagree with you that it'd be nice if the 53rd guy was uh josh ball because i think josh ball struggled a lot i think i'd rather keep both gifford and harper over him um but i mean the fact of the matter is they also just they do need bodies out there right now and they you know ball didn't look so bad at right tackle early on he looked passable i think it was when you threw him over to the left side that things Really started regressing again. Honestly, the guy that I wish was the the ninety first guy on the roster was Kelvin Joseph. And so, uh, <laughs> you know that that's a spot where where they're protecting their guys there a little bit, and uh, one where if if it was me, if I needed a roster spot tomorrow, the guy I would move on from would be Kelvin Joseph. But the team has shown they're not going to do that, and so um, you know they're they're going to buy in and. Uh, hold on and and hope uh, as long as they can until whatever the next thing is. And there will always be a next thing.
3: Yeah, and when's so, the last kind of in the inevitable? Yeah, when's the last time the Cowboys moved on from a second-round pick in his second year?
2: Ooh, it's um, a good question. <laughs> that probably, uh, I mean, I don't know. you have to go back to the days of uh, Bronco Nagurski or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, so yeah, well- that's. Bobby, we always appreciate having you on. And, of course, Bobby, an alumni blogging the boys, but also a star there on the uh, radio home of the Dallas Cowboys here in Dallas. Uh, Bobby, you know, in looking at the way the Cowboys have constructed the roster, at least to this point, one thing that did a little bit jump out to me, and I'm curious on your take on it, like it seems like they are very willing and almost planning on relying heavily on more tight end involvement in the offense this season, and I don't think that comes as a surprise for those of us who are big Dalton Schultz fans, but it might be a little bit of a surprise that they went three deep in that position, and that the third guy is a guy that no one really had on the roster prior to training camp getting going. So, what was your reaction to that, and do you see anything that the Cowboys maybe, uh, maybe tipping their hat on as as how they're going to work their offensive game plan in twenty twenty two?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to me it says that their future to them is Hendershot and Ferguson, but they are hopefully what they wanted Jarwin and Schultz to be. Um, and, you know, I think that Ferguson is much more of the Schultz type and Hendershot is more of the athletic, you know, down the field, Blake Jarwin type. Um, and they really liked Hendershot coming out of Indiana. They thought he was going to get drafted. They were really surprised when he made it to free agency. Uh, and they were they were thrilled to get him where they did and, and to be able to sign him. Uh, Ferguson, it's funny enough, he's, he's really impressed. They liked him. I think they felt like they reached a little bit on him um, out of necessity because they felt like, man, this is the end. Like We've got to get a tight end here. There's been a run. And so I think they felt like, we don't get our tight end now. We're not going to be able to get him. So they grabbed him above some guys that I think other positions where they had guys higher ranked than him. Um, I think, well, let's go was a guy that probably had graded higher than Jake Ferguson. And so they ended up getting him and, you know, around later, but they felt like they had to move on tight end there. And I don't think they've been disappointed. Though I think they feel like Jake Ferguson has been really, really solid and that there's not much of a learning curve at all there for him. Uh, and that he, he, he plays with a, a little bit of piss and vinegar. And, and I think they like that. Um, and, and, you know, what they saw from Hendershot, he still needs work as a blocker. but I think what they saw from Hendershot and what he can be in the passing game and, and more of your modern down the field tight end, I think is exciting to them. Um, and, and Schultz, uh, you know, we all know what Schultz can be as a, a pass catcher and a really reliable chain mover, but I think there's not been enough discussed about how improved he looks as a blocker to me. I think that he's looked really good out here in some of these practices when he's had to single up on Micah Parsons or Chauncey Golston or, or something like that, he's been able to largely hold his own. And, and I think the added weight that he talked about that he put on, that he put on uh, like five or six pounds of muscle this off season. And so I, I think that they uh, feel better about that. Yeah.
3: I've got a, another question because what we're in right now is the whole roster manipulation period. Yes. Where they're making moves and they're bringing stuff in. The Cowboys right now have hung on to one practice slot, practice squad slot, which I have to think was because they knew they were bringing Peters in and they think they're going to sign him. Do you think there's a chance that they'll sign Peters initially to the practice squad, albeit at a full salary as if he was actually on the roster? Or do you think they'll make another move to make room for him?
2: Uh, I think practice squad is definitely a possibility for him to start off. Um, and I think that there would be uh, probably a, a an agreement in place to, to make sure or an understanding in place to make sure that he was going to be compensated the way that they needed him to. Um, but, yeah, I think that ultimately I'd find it unlikely that he'd take up a roster spot right now because he's still going to have to ramp up a little bit um And so uh, I, I I think it's likely that if Jason Peters comes on board, it's probably in a practice you know practice squad spot until he gets ramped up and he's physically ready to go for game action.
1: We're talking with our boy Bobby Belt again, the Cowboys insider for the radio home of the Dallas Cowboys, and also got his own podcast. Love of the star. You can find that anywhere you download your podcasts, Bobby. Was there anything else that stuck out to you about the Cowboys final decision making on their 53 man roster? And this, you know, this roster manipulation thing is actually really interesting just because this seems like a new frontier and the Cowboys are navigating it in a very unusual way. Are they risking anything by doing it the way that they're doing it here?
2: Um, I don't know that they're risking anything. I think that with these vested veteran deals and the kind of like, you know, wink and a nod handshake agreements, um, you, you're you're going to feel okay about that. I, I don't think that there's much of a concern there as long as you trust the player and the and the representative. Obviously, yeah. If you expose a guy like Cooper Rush and you have no idea that maybe there's some team lurking out there who goes, we really like Cooper Rush and what we saw, we'll pay you six million dollars to be our backup. Yeah, that that becomes a, a an issue. I mean, and you know, I think they'd be predict. more screwed
1: if Brett Maher got picked up. Like, and there's got to be a team out there that thinks they might need a kicker. Sure, I, I think that there's enough cap space here that
2: whatever anybody would be willing to pay Maher, they could probably say we'll give you one dollar more and you're going to be fine. And so I, I think that he'd 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 be okay. So I don't I don't know if they're risking much in that sense. But yeah, this has been kind of a new frontier for the last oh I don't know about three four years the way teams are kind of handling cut down day like this. Um, it's a very creative way to manipulate the roster and to make sure you get everybody that you need to. Um, and, and so it, it's nice to see that Dallas has adjusted well to this. And I think Dallas honestly has been kind of, uh, you know, one of the front runners of this and, or one of the forerunners of this, and that they've been, uh, you know, uh, sort of innovative with the way they've chosen to manipulate their roster. And they got the most out of it this year with their of veterans. Um, so in that sense, Yeah, you're you're more projecting week one roster than 53-man roster. Uh, We've always called it the final 53. It's more like the first 53 is the way to to term it. And it's just kind of, you know, a a cursory look at what the general makeup of the roster looks like. I guess I'm most surprised that they went ahead and, like we already mentioned, that they carried six linebackers. I'm surprised they did that. I would have thought they, you know, were going to go five there. And, and maybe they had a good read that nobody was going to get claimed off waivers that they wanted, which they didn't. They didn't lose anybody. Um, they didn't claim anybody either, or, or they weren't awarded anybody. There's no telling. They may have claimed Chuma Edoga or Alex Leatherwood, and it didn't matter because it didn't get to them on the waiver priority. Um, we just wouldn't know that. But um, I, I was surprised they went 11 deep on the defensive line, that, that they clearly just couldn't make up their mind there on, on who they wanted to let go. Um, They didn't want to expose Ridgeway to waivers. They didn't want to let go of Terrell Basham. I think Tristan Hill played his way on. I think he was on the outside looking in when they got to camp, and he was just too good. Jerry talked about that the other day, that that was the first player named when asked about who's been the most impressive. Um, And that's somebody that when you talk to people over there with the Cowboys, he's usually the first name that comes up when you say, hey, who's the most impressive defensive lineman that's been out here at camp? The first name that almost always comes up is Tristan Hill. So he is a big part of why they had so many difficult decisions on the defensive line. I think because they had kind of assumed he was going to be on the outs when they got to camp. And and he he really had a really good camp and a really consistent camp and was able to play his way on.
3: I think part of what – the Cowboys have been doing, and uh, we're seeing other teams do, is they're really taking advantage of the expanded practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I thought there were a couple things about it. First off, I think they, they kind of got all of the guys that we really were kind of thinking had shown up uh, in preseason and late in camp. And, uh, you know, my favorite might have been that they brought Carlos Watkins back. Uh, you know, you're talking about the, uh, the, how many people they kept on the uh, defensive line. He is a great insurance piece in case, they, in case they need to pull someone up. I was impressed by that. And, you know, of course, I was always amused by all the hand-wringing about all these players that would never make it through waivers, and, of course, they did. Uh, so, you know, I always try to tell people to calm down about that. It's going to work out. Uh, every once in a blue moon, you might see one guy uh, get plucked, but as usual, the Cowboys had their pick, of, and, and it's a good group with, with McCune, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jefferson and Thomas are both interesting. Uh, Tafua was it, probably the biggest surprise for me because we just didn't hear him talked about much, but when you did hear people talk about him, they sounded pretty impressed.
2: Yeah, they believe – I think if this was a different year, if this was three years ago or whatever else, I think Tafua makes the 53. They love him. They love him in that building. Uh, when we were at Cowboys training Cape, we got a chance to sit down with Will McClay, and uh, we asked him what undrafted free agents had stood out, and he named four of them, and three of them made the roster. Peyton Hendershot, Dennis Houston, Marquise Bell, and Mika Tafua. Tafua didn't make the roster. But I think that's just because they were so heavy there. They really believe in him and think he's got an NFL future. And they, and I think, honestly, in some years past, they would have been completely comfortable with him being a back end of the rotation guy, getting a handful of snaps during the year. They, they really think that he's impressive. And so, uh, yeah, they're happy to get to there And I, I think you're right when you talk about exposing guys to waivers, that usually it's it's not as dire a situation as people talk about. And I think when you look around and say, who were the guys that wouldn't have gone through waivers? I think the Cowboys told you who wouldn't have made it through waivers based off of who they kept. Uh, Devin Harper probably wasn't going to make it through waivers. Um, Nashawn Wright, with his, even with his struggles and people wouldn't move on, Nashawn Wright wasn't getting to the practice squad. I think John Ridgeway probably was not getting to the practice squad. So I think whenever you look at that and say – when people are talking about man we can't afford to put this guy on waivers i think the cowboys showed you who they couldn't afford to put on waivers and who they thought they could and and those guys clearly to me are more like the john ridgeways and the devin harpers and guys like that
1: well another move that the cowboys made on their 53-man roster is they decided to keep michael gallup on the roster meaning he was not going to be on the pup and be guaranteed to miss the first four games so I mean, that leaves Cowboys fans wanting to know what is a realistic expectation for the return of Michael Gallup. Is that something we could see potentially as early as week two? No one thinks he's going to be ready against Tampa, although, I mean, maybe that may be in the back of their mind, although I can't imagine it would be. How how soon can we hope to see Michael Gallup back on the field again?
2: Week one's a stretch, you're right. Um, I mean, even though Jerry said – this week if this was the super bowl that we we're playing against tampa yeah, michael not, gallup would go it's, and not. it's not it's like it's like jerry doesn't even know that the buccaneers are in the nfc it's not possible you can't even play the buccaneers in the super bowl uh, <laughs> yeah. but no i think that you look at uh i think cincinnati's a possibility i've said all along i thought it was going to be week three against the giants that that the monday night football game against the giants about a month from now uh, is is more likely the target date for him to show up. And so I think Bengals is a possibility. I think that they'll try potentially to ramp him up for then, uh, but, but I feel pretty good that first game he'll he'll show up will be that road game, the Monday night football game against the Giants.
3: Uh, one one other question on the practice squad. Do you know anything about the one outsider that they're apparently attempting to sign, this Quadri Olison.
2: Yeah, he uh, he played at Pittsburgh. He's a big like uh, bowling ball type of running back. Um, I'm I find it interesting that they are bringing him in just because they were able to get Malik Davis to the practice squad, and they've already got Rico Dowdle and Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. So um, I kind of wonder if they're viewing him in the you know the the. Alana Lua, Jameez Alawale, uh, Ryan Nall sort of form where they go, well, this is more like a fullback to us or, or a guy who can do some different things, running the ball and catching, but will ultimately be a lead blocker. Uh, I know they had some interest in, in looking at bringing Ryan Nall back after the shoulder injury, um, but I, I wonder if they look at this option and then say, ah, you know what, this is actually somebody we didn't expect to come up and we view him as somebody who can kind of play that fullback role for us, that, that athletic fullback role that we've been looking to fill. So that's that's more what I would guess is their thinking on that front.
3: Well, they've got him kind of hip-pocketed in case they decide they need to add that element into the running game.
2: Exactly, yeah. And it may just be to, to you know, to, to help Zeke feel better, you know, that, that like, hey, look, we got a back that's bigger than you now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey bobby well we really appreciate it man and uh thank you for carving out the time to do it again of course you can check out his podcast for love of the star you can also check him out on the radio home of the dallas cowboys and hear him uh even game day right you're doing some game day stuff now
2: i am y'all uh i should be on the pregame show every week we will be uh
1: We'll be on the charter this year. COVID uh,
2: restrictions have been rolled back, so we're gonna Ooh. be. Out, I'll be out there on the road. Oh, yeah, bro! You gotta tell me. Year.
1: You gotta tell me about the charter, man. I can't wait to hear about the <laughs> charter.
2: I, I I know. I'm uh I, I'm pumped. So we'll be out there on the road, and of course, still doing all my work. Uh, a lot of a lot of game days uh, before the game with Jane Slater before kickoff. So, uh, are wearing a few hats these days.
3: Well, it's great to see you. Uh you know you know we've got you we we've, we've got patrick walker guys that basically are coming from this podcast blogging background it's exciting <laughs> yeah. to see guys like you that are actually breaking through and you you think back to the days when we were just laughed at as you know guys in their mom's basement and and (laughs) i think it's it's so ironic to see so many across the league that are now emerging from this social media world that that kind of sprang into being about 10 years ago as far as starting to have an impact
2: yeah this is a this is a modern society you know we're 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 pressing forward we're evolving we're we're growing as a people, and yeah, no, it, it, and I appreciate that. And man, Patrick Walker, uh, one of my closest friends in the world, and, and couldn't be happier for him that he landed with DallasCowboys.com. But you're right; it, it took a, I think, a, a change in mindset um, from from the the standard media outlets um, to to come around to that. But to their credit, I think yeah, a lot of these standard media outlets come around to go. Hey, we can find talent in areas that, that come from unorthodox means than, than what we're used to. And quite frankly,
3: when I look back at some of the guys that were floating around uh, and that are still kind of hanging on out there, they're getting better people that are willing to look at it deeper and from different angles. So it's I just am all on board for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I mean that even goes without mentioning uh, some of the other guys that we've had out there, like John Owning, who uh, really blew up with PFF, and uh, uh, you know it was one of the few things that we liked about PFF here, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, I, th- I think that it's uh, it's it's really encouraging, and even you know uh, y'all's uh, I don't know his exact title, but head honcho front page man R.J. Ochoa, R.J. and yeah. I kind of kind of came along at the same time, and, do it uh, all guy,
1: man. It's true there's just is. so many names we really should uh come up with a collective of all the names and great ro- resources that are out there regarding the Cowboys cuz there are just so many that it's hard to put them all together quite honestly um but yeah. it's a, it's a great list man and you've you've come through some of that we really appreciate obviously you taking the time to join us man and it's great hearing from you and glad you're doing well on a personal level as well as uh doing so, so well for the Cowboys, right? At least they're giving us entertainment and you're giving us plenty to talk about whether or not, you know, the season outlook is as bright as we would like it to be. We'll find out, right? We'll find that out in just a couple of weeks. We'll find out.
2: Yeah. Hall of hall of fame or hall of shame, you know, <laughs> either, either, either be great or, or be a flaming disaster. Just don't, don't make it boring. Don't be, don't be 500, nothing football team. Agreed. And it's,
3: it's, this is a this is a year when it's probably best not to get your expectations up uh just wait and see what happens because this has the potential to still be a very entertaining season uh i don't know if i'm willing to to think they they've got a really great shot at winning the NFC east but they definitely have to be in the mix i mean you know it's basically them and the eagles so We'll have to see how it goes.
1: Well, the Cowboys will always be entertaining. Again, Bobby, thanks again so much for joining us at Bobby TX on Twitter. Again, you can follow him. You can hear him on game day doing his podcast and pregame work with Jane Slater. You can hear him on his podcast with Brian Bro. The man is doing it all. Okay, so just follow him on Twitter, and you'll find him on all those outlets. Again, Bobby, thank you from all of us here at Blogging the Boys for taking the time to join us. For Tom, again, follow Tom at TomRyleBTB. You can follow me at RW3 on Twitter. And until next Thursday, y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys because the next time we speak, we are facing Tampa Brady and the Buccaneers. We'll get you ready. You stay riled up. See you next week. Thanks, Bobby.